Hi there, and welcome to the first episode of the Dark Tower podcast, Radio Free Midworld. Um, if you have listened to the pilot, this is a re-presentation of that, but I would recommend that you stick around for the first portion of the episode uh, just so you can get the business side of things and know kind of what's coming up next. So this show is going to be coming out every two weeks on Tuesdays. Um, opposite an another show that runs on the network, uh, Those Damn Ross Kids is the name of it. I'm going to have a list of what each episode is going to cover made up as each season comes around. Uh, the first book, the, uh, the Gunslinger, is going to be five episodes, uh, one for each of the five chapters. Um, so if you're curious about that, go and get it. If you are going to be taking any deep dives into the series and reading along with us, I ask that you purchase them. Um, if you use Amazon, purchase them through our tip jar link. This is kind of an affiliate thing. It is a way to support this show and to support the network. Go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar. Use the link there to go to Amazon and then add anything you want to the cart, including the audiobook stuff. Um, and uh, we get a small cut of it um, as we kind of go forward. Uh, I'll have more details about kind of the business stuff uh, as things go along, as we get uh, a real site for this and have a place to put the reading list. But right now, the biggest thing you can do to help out this show is to uh, rate and review this on iTunes. When it goes up, it doesn't happen immediately, but uh, keep an eye out. Uh, that way we can skyrocket up those lists for whatever relevant categories there are and uh, maybe get some more attention. I'm super excited about this project. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I've spent the last month re-listening to the entire series uh, so I can know what the hell I'm talking about. And um, boy, there's just so much to say. So uh, because there's so much to say, why don't we get right to it, to episode number one. And you're, you're going to hear me from about eight months ago talking uh, with a bunch of friends. But yeah, check it out. Let us know what you think. Write in with your thoughts on the series. All of that. And thank you so much for uh, for helping make this project possible. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a close reading and discussion of Stephen King's Dark Tower series. My name is Cole Ross, and I am joined tonight by Murph Murphy. How's it going, guys? Jeremy Greer. Hello, hello. And Evan Jones Thorne. Hi there. Hey, thanks so much for uh, for hopping on to talk about this on the pilot slash premiere episode of this uh, of this show we've been talking about doing for a long time. You could, you could say it's the first shot. Yes. Ah, I see what it. you did there. Wow. <laughs> right at the beginning, we're setting the tone of the show. I like that. I, you know, I think that we got to we, we, we got to get the bat out. <laughs> we we, we got to get those puns out. We got to we, we got we got to roll oh, with man. it. Yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're starting here. This episode is going to be about the, uh, the first chapter of the gunslinger, which is confusingly also called the gunslinger. Um, and I want to kind of get everybody like a baseline here of everybody's kind of experience with the dark tower series again, uh, by, by, by Stephen King, Jeremy and Evan, I think you guys are going to have to battle it out for who's been with this the longest. Um, uh, I'm going to probably say jeremy has yeah um i i kind of started reading the series in high school i was around 15 16 which seems like a pretty common age for it mm -hmm. that, that sounds about right i was um let's see i read it i read the stand in sixth grade and i did 
the Dark Tower in seventh grade nice. right after that. So that's probably I don't remember grades. You guys have kids. What are grades? What what age does that make me? <laughs> like 12, 13? So yeah, something around that. Yeah. Wow, that is that, that, that is Oof. challenging subject matter in some places. I have no <laughs> idea why my mom let me read the stand when I was so young. That was a bad decision. Well, she probably figured more pages equals better than like, oh, it's it's good that he's reading this uh this this massive book. I think I was reading Star Trek novels, which were essentially uh, nerd romance novels, except the girls were green at that <laughs> age. So, eh, it's about the same. Yeah. <laughs> and I was messing around over there on Pern. Uh, at that oh, age. God. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> which which of these do you uh, do you think is age the best? Um, <laughs> uh, I've got I've got one guess. It's not Dragon Riders of Pern. I know, right? <laughs> uh, it was it was in the middle school cool. library, you guys. Yeah, yeah. No, so, I I read all of those and I thought they were so great, and they do not hold up. Oh no, not at all. Um, <sighs> yeah. If if we if we had like an abject suffering show for bad books, that would really go on. <laughs> Oh, oh man, if that, if that ever happens, I want to come in and talk about all 27 Xanth novels that I have read in my life. <laughs> wow. All 27. Jesus. I didn't yeah. oh, oh. Um, So, so it, it, it sounds like I came to this, I came to this pretty late compared to you guys because I like, I, I started reading Stephen King with, uh, with on writing, uh, when I like t- towards the tail end of college. And then after I graduated college and I was looking for a job, it was like, well, I need to find something to fill my time. Why not the stand? And then the stand, because I liked <laughs> Randall Flagg so much, I was like, all right, well, where, where else does, does, does this guy pop up? And uh, uh, everybody. And the answer is every other book that he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But uh, again, I was looking for something to fill this in. So I was, uh, you know, I, I was I was a 23 year old person. Um, when I just like chowed through these, through all the dark tower books in like five months. Wow. I guess that makes me the baby. Hey, little baby Murph. Hey buddy. (laughs) Ironically, probably the (laughs) oldest person on this podcast, but, uh, (laughs) you're the, uh, yeah, you're the, you're the, you're the newcomer. So I'm the baby. I, I, Stephen King has not, it's just not part of my, my nerd language, I guess. Yeah, like I like that and Harry Potter are like my two great nerd shames mm. uh, that I haven't read, but I'm, I have read The Stand, and I I know that Stephen King right, makes some really good and also some really bad movies. I guess uh, Silver Bullet. I'm looking at you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so yeah, no, this is this is the I've only read the first chapter of The Gunslinger, and that's all I've read of this series. So I'm. I'm the new fresh voice who's got the the fresh perspective, right? Yeah, so this is this is going to be this is going to be interesting because when you're here um we're going to we're we're going to have to not spoil things. I think in general, if you know, if we're going to take the tack of kind of like walking walking somebody through this series, it might be best to, you know, not really explicitly say you know what something means or you know where it comes from, but I think that like with most spoilers like this, we can speak obliquely. <laughs> Right. And I'm I'm not going to this is uh, let me say I I'm enjoying the book. I'm not going to go on a murderous rampage if suddenly I I find out what uh what is it Algoon something or other Al Sienta. Yeah, if if I find out exactly what that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, in time. In time, which is which is a wheel or ka. I forget. I forget how it goes. <laughs> we, we haven't gotten to a lot of the mysticism stuff uh but but yeah so 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 there's that and also like get, getting a getting a fresh take on this too because this is my my second go through the series yeah this will be my third i think okay wow 
I can't I can't tell you how many times I've reread the first um, three or four, um, and then the back five, six, and seven I've probably read, read two or three times. But the okay. first three or four I've read like I read the first three probably twelve times growing up. Like nice. I loved this series growing up; it was insane. Oh, you're an old hand at that. Yeah, de- definitely. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think that the the first four books kind of work well as a set, and then the the back three are almost companion pieces to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. getting I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> and, yeah, and I can agree because I so I've only read the first chapter, and I he's <laughs> he's really set up a a very nice kind of world here. Uh, and it's an, he's an, the, the character seems mysterious to me. And you, I guess you guys know him as an old friend, but for me, it's this kind of, I don't know what to think about this guy yet. Guys, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Oh man, I'm on the edge of my seat. That's a, that's a really deliberate decision on his part at this point, right? Like he's not even named until the very, like till the last couple pages of this chapter, like 70 pages in. I mean, he's very clearly trying to evoke a, a Western feel. Mm-hmm. Which in you know the the man with no name rolls into town <laughs> and serves justice, but uh, <laughs> in this one, <laughs> and he very I explicitly mean, talks about that. Like he says that he you know he wanted to write his Lord of the Rings, and then one day was at the movie theater and saw the Good, the Bad, the Ugly, and was like, I want to do Lord of the Rings, but with cowboys, and went from there. Uh, I'm curious if any of y'all have a different take on Roland than I do, because I grew up seeing him basically as Clint Eastwood, like not even knowing the good, the bad, the ugly connection. But now that they've announced that Idris Elba is going to be playing him in the movie, like, are y'all picturing Idris Elba in this? Or you have your own kind of composite you're doing of Roland? Because to me, he'll always be Clint Eastwood. I definitely had a, kind of a Clint Eastwood type picture in my head, but it, it was mainly from the, the covers of the books themselves. Yeah. Uh, which kind of fit the description in, in the novels. But when they announced that Idris Elba was playing him in the film, I got really excited mm-hmm. because it's highly impractical to cast young Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> they could do like they did with uh, Jeff Bridges in Tron Evolution. Oh, boy. They, they could, but they shouldn't. I know. <laughs> uh, but I, I was I was really excited when they cast uh, Idris Elba because I think that he's absolutely got the gravitas to pull off the character. Mm-hmm. And it's such a different take. And just necessarily, I was, as we get further into the series, it's going to affect all of the characters and how they all interact and the relationships between them in yeah. some potentially really interesting ways. Mm-hmm. I, I was happy because it made a lot of people mad. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's great too. <laughs> but but uh, no, so it's so it's funny. I went into this after after the Dark Tower, like the, the the seventh book was out, and that has this really goofy painting of what appears to be an aged Clint Eastwood on the on the front of it, and so like that that makes sense in context. But it's like, where in the hell does this come from? And so I kind of can't separate that image when I look at it, you know, even even now, knowing what it was supposed to be modeled after, like that he is supposed to be like, at least at this point, young. Um, I, I, I still can't like separate that. So me not having like this built up thing in my brain, like Idris Elba. Yeah, he's he's a tough dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's wet. He's just weathered is just what I, I got from the description. Like the fact that he eats some bacon that has been in a, a fire pit that <laughs> is at least two months old. Yeah. Like that, that dude is, is rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like he likes the, he likes that bacon. Like that's, that's like, Oh man, this is a treat. Ooh, protein. <laughs> yeah. Two month old bacon. Yum. 
so 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 yeah like stephen king mentions this in the in the kind of like intro here this little essay at the start on being 19 uh you know those uh those influences he also talks about how he how he wanted to write the longest popular novel in history which seems like a real strange uh (laughs) thing to 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 chase as its own and he like tries to disclaim it saying like yeah you know i know it's not everything but i wanted to do this but like that explains a lot like (laughs) yeah that definitely jumped out at me as well especially like kind of being familiar with the whole series Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's definitely some choices that get made later on that are clearly working towards that goal but yeah, you know, he talks about like, and and so this is this is another piece of context for anybody who hasn't been following this. Like Stephen King has been writing this for pretty much his entire professional life, right? And that's something that I'm kind of interested in in watching because what this came out in the late earlier in the '80s, right? And I I assume, but even Stephen King uh, will improve on his on his writing. It's just something that happens, right? Yeah. So. The, the, that gets a little bit weird. This came out in 1982, and it was re it was revised, mm-hmm. um, pretty much entirely re- rewritten in 2003. However, the like it does improve just in okay. general in terms mm-hmm. of I would even say like it gets really tight in the pacing sometime toward the end of two and going through most of three. Like he really hits his stride there, and, but like you're going to see him as he kind of matures, right? And I don't want to I don't want to cast dispersions like this is not this is not bad writing it's just not particular i don't know this is not the great american novel this is not moby dick right at least this first this first chapter is not <laughs> this is this first chapter is a, a a power fantasy about a guy who and i guess spoilers for the first chapter <laughs> like runs in the town <laughs> kills everybody and has you know has sex with some women or a woman and then leaves like we can get into the the gender stuff later, but oh boy, yeah. But like this is this is like this is power fantasy one hundred and one. This book in particular, especially compared with the rest of the series, kind of almost reminds me of a debut album, where it's you you can kind of see where the later celebrated stuff is going to come from, but it's not there yet. Yeah, like it hasn't hasn't even like found its voice or found its stride. Like, yeah, this the, this version of Roland doesn't doesn't square up with with what we see of him later, especially yeah. you know once he starts finding. Well, he he never really finds a purpose other than the tower, but you know finding other stuff to care about besides just forward, forward, forward. Yeah, it's it's a much rougher, rawer take on the story in the world, and it's it's compelling in its own sort of way. And the scaffolding for what's to come is definitely there, and you can see it looking back. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely got its issues. Yeah. So, so we were in the in, you know discussing stuff in the ba- in the backstage, if you will, uh, and you guys seem to focus more on the the fact that he's the character of Roland, and for me, he's really a blank slate right 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 now. So yeah. I'm mm-hmm. more interested in the world right now than I am about the gunslinger per se. But so I, I assume. Just from context clues, that changes. You're going to get a lot of both of those. Um, yeah, you get okay. you get a very thorough ex- exploration of who Roland is as a character, and um, you throughout the course of the book, you kind of travel a court, a, along the world. The only thing I would caution you and anybody else doesn't read this, and Cole, I think I stole this from you in Slack, is <laughs> like the world can like it has no like a core magic system at its heart. Like there is no like r- set of rules. 
Stephen King just makes this stuff up as he goes along, and you know, as whatever he needs the world to do, the world will do at that point. So, yeah. So he's he's no Brandon Sanderson. If he's he... no Brandon Sanderson, I was almost going to exactly quote <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. There, there Sanders- is no. Yeah. This is not rhythmist or anything. So like, right. don't don't go in expecting anything like that. Yeah. Like don't don't expect a series that was written with a Bible drawn up ahead of time. Like if if you're expecting any, any kind of consistency, this is really going to throw you off. You might, in fact, it might even anger you. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I mean, and that's what I mean. From what I've read of Stephen King, he's not about hard stuff. It, he has this kind of magical realism mm-hmm. sort of feel, which the tropes of that kind of story are like, oh, there are no real hard rules. It's just mm-hmm. about hey, this this weird thing happened and. Like, and if we can go back to our, you know, the probably maybe the network strength video games, uh, yeah. the uh, Kentucky Route Zero, mm-hmm. Three Fourths Home, that sort of thing. Yeah. I got like, for some reason, Three Fourths Home was a lot on my mind, and I'm not really sure why when I was reading this, but may, have you, uh, am I completely, have, have, you, have one, have you guys played that? And two, am I completely insane? I have not played it, so I, I might have to bow out from it. Yeah, I haven't either. All right. I haven't I haven't played it and you are also completely insane. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say yeah. It's multiple choice. <laughs> it's, have, a, it's, um, it's a radio button, not a not a check mark. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> have any of you read the story that was included with the original release of um I want to say it was this book about the magical paper that he found that kind of is at the center of him writing this story. Have any of you seen that or read that? Cause I don't, it's not in the digital version that I bought off of the Kindle store like yesterday. I read it back when I was about 15. Uh, I don't really remember anything about it. I, I just find that a, kind of an interesting point of history because he finds like this special paper in a weird part of his life that he wants to treat with respect. And I remember when I was a teenager reading that and it kind of made me at the time I was like this, you know, I had it all, had all these thoughts in my head and all of this, like, angst and pain or whatever and like that kind of really spoke to me about having special paper that you're going to write a special book on and it's total garbage like it doesn't mean anything but him actually going through the process and there is a thing about him finding more of this paper and then writing part of the second book on and getting inspired to write more mm-hmm. and I, I just wanted to mention if you murph and cole if you haven't read that it's worth tracking down i'll try to get some screenshots and send it to you because it's it kind of shows a little bit of history that doesn't seem to be included in the recent releases of the book yeah, I definitely want to. Uh, I, I want to get as much information about this as as possible. Um, do, do Do you know if there's a title for that? I'll, I'll try and put it in the in the show notes if there is. I will find one out before the end of the episode. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we should probably um, move 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 through into the actual uh, kind of chapter itself here. Uh, we, I don't know if we have a if we have a time thing or not. This this is a pilot. We're still figuring it out, but. Uh, uh, why don't why don't why don't we get started? This this book starts with maybe my favorite opening line in all of literature. Oh wow! Just yeah. you know, the man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. Like that's that's evocative as shit, you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really is evocative. One of my favorite words. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I picture it in in like in silhouette, like from yeah. the from the from the side. Like with the gunslinger at the far left of the frame and the man in black at the right, like that 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 is what I see when I when I think of that. Yeah, same here. That that is a that's basically a, a seed for a D, a million D and D campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's so simple, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's, it sets up at least the purpose for all of this book. Like, it, it gets complicated. It gets far more complicated. But, like, the, this this notion of pursuit of being driven forward is, like, encapsulated. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the, like, that that's the first thing. Like, that was the seed for the story that, uh, uh, that Stephen McKay, like, this, that this came first. Yeah. Yeah, it was that that sentence and then everything else kind of fell into place around it. And while we're we're picking out individual sentences, actually, one of my favorite sentences is the second sentence. <laughs> Guys, this is a this is a sentence by sentence. I, call, I called it a close <laughs> reading. <laughs> Episode forty seven, page two. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, remind me to talk about the that that darn cat podcast. But um, <laughs> the the desert was an apotheosis of all deserts, huge standing in the sky, what looked like eternity in all directions. Like and so you we've we've set up our the premise of the book it's you know pursuit and then he just sets up this world in the next sentence. Yeah. That the the world building is my favorite part about this book. And um as I was rereading the first chapter for this uh I was struck again just with how many little details there are that you just kind of don't even notice that he's slipping in like this this vocabulary and there's a sense of geography and culture and religion and folklore and all this stuff that isn't really ever explicitly laid out. Yeah. But you mm-hmm. kind of pick it up as you go. And there's the the fact that there are some words that are different. They refer to objects that we are familiar with, but they're different words than we use. Mm-hmm. Like uh, he, he talks about Brown having neither bolt nor ba. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you find out, a while later, I don't even know if it's in this book, but you find out later that a ba is a crossbow. Yep. But that's mm-hmm. right. You that's... kind of find it out incidentally. And I, I love that he doesn't make those types of details explicit. None of the world is spoon fed to you. It's just kind of there and you're dropped into the middle of it. It's the best when he decides not to explain stuff. That's, I think, true of pretty much all of King's work. Yeah. Yes. And I, th- I think I said in the Slack earlier as well, like, this is probably the world right now is probably the best that I'm going to like it just because I don't know any of the specifics. So my imagination right now was just filling in like, what are, what are all these people with crazy Raven heads? And, <laughs> the tahin, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. what's uh like, why, why are there just madmen? Just why are people just out in the desert farming corn? Like that makes no, what? but I mean, I guess it does. <laughs> and then there's like, there's water 15 feet down. Mm-hmm. Why is that? What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. Like the, the world has moved on. Like nothing, nothing is quite right. And he's pointing out all these ways that it doesn't quite square up. I'm going to get, get this comparison out of the way a, so you don't have to make it Jeremy. So I can take this, take this cross on for myself. (laughs) Um, But like people who've listened to bonfire side chat have known that this is, this has been in the works for a while, this show, because like, uh, we, we talked about this on an episode of that show, like, Oh, how, how awesome would it be? Because, because of these similarities between, uh, the dark tower and, and dark souls in, in, in a lot of ways and thematic ways that we won't understand until much, 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 much later. But also this idea that like you are getting those snippets that like may or may not pay off and are almost entirely indirect, um, and usually shown, shown to you through the eyes of, of, of one character or another. Um, 
But something that we should uh, that we should know about that is that uh, because this is revised and, and because it was kind of rewritten around the time that King was finishing up or outlining the uh, the, the the final three books of the series, um, a lot of those details are actually kind of like backfilled. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, like again, I'd never read the original, and now I'm just I'm just getting the revised portion, which is, I guess is the ideal way to do it. I I would think. I don't know. Man, I'm 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 really torn on that because the um we we Evan talked a little bit earlier about how the book is it's kind of raw compared to the rest of the chapter, rest of the series, and I really felt like the, the Gunslinger was always the best out of the series, bar none. Like it's my favorite book out of all of them, um, and it was because it had a weird dreamlike quality to it. Like it has some really bad politics, don't get me wrong, but it was almost kind of like this ethereal thing, like it existed upon itself, and then King took one version of that and just ran with it. Mm-hmm. And the changes that he makes are very explicitly connecting this novel to the later novels. And you see it scattered throughout. Um, for instance, I did a search on the word 19 in, my, in the Kindle version that I bought either yesterday or this morning. And it, there's like a whole list of it. And I had my wife do the same thing on her PDF version. And there are literally no instances of the word 19. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I think I, I read the original version um this is the first time that I'm reading the revised version, and I didn't remember anything about 19 from before, but I just chalked it up to the fact that it hadn't been a while. So that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's also some very explicit callouts to characters, to um, plot line, to past plot lines that he had not plotted out yet that mm-hmm. occur way later in the series. And to me, and this is rough because it's something I read as a kid. And whenever you go back to those things and they changed it all, you kind of don't like it on instinct. So mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to separate my adoration of this book as a child from now reading it from a more critical point of view. But a lot of the changes just don't work for me at all. And I don't want to, I don't want to say that like across the board because I've only read the first chapter of this. So I'm not sure what else happens. But. Yeah. Is it, is it a little bit like the, uh, the star Wars special edition kind of thing where like, I don't know why you change that except to just indulge in that. You know, when I showed my wife Star Wars for the first time, um, there's a scene in one of the special editions where you see Jabba the Hutt walking with Han Solo. Oh, God. And and she turned to me and she goes, why would you ever show that guy walking? And I said, I have no idea. So (laughs) I hadn't put that together in my head until you just asked that question. So absolutely. Yeah. It's like, Mm -hmm. why would you make this change? Um, Hmm. Just some really interesting stuff there. Yeah. I can say as somebody who is who has completed the series coming back to this with a fresh eye, like all of those little details that used to be incredibly mysterious and had no context. Now I know the context for them. And it and definitely the world feels a little bit smaller because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, so, huh? I think and I think that my my biggest issue with with the revision based on on having read just the first chapter is is it feels less self-contained to me mm-hmm. and uh absolutely I, I i think that what i what i really loved about the gunslinger the first two times that i read it um which was in my my dad's paperback from probably 1982 when it came out um <laughs> is i i loved how how immediate and how self-contained and how how complete it felt even though yeah there's some some really really rough gender politics and there's some some kind of clumsy narrative devices here and there. Like it's not perfect, but it was, it was really, really cool mm-hmm. in, in what it was. And then in the larger context of the the series, I felt like it had its own very distinctive tone that 
was was very different from even the second book. Yeah. So I have a, I have a question. So while, we're, while we're still talking about revisions here, uh, I, in the, the, the when we we talked about nineteen, and I'm talking about that note, and this this bugs me, and because I'm weird in some ways, and some things bug me like that. But there's a Unicode smiley face in my Kindle copy. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> Is is that new? Because I don't think they had Unicode. Well, they might have. Ah. Mm. De- there was definitely, I don't remember exactly how it's done, but there was definitely like in a lot of King's books, um, if you go back, there's a lot of like weird characters and stuff. Like he likes to include handwritten notes from, from one character to the next that have very specifically smiley faces. That's a, that's a very big thing. Um, yeah, okay. So, um, I don't. I don't remember what it was in the original paperback, but I okay. and I. I can't find mine to look it up. I think it just finally fell apart, disintegrated. But oh, well. um, no, I'm not objecting to the smiley face. I'm just so it's in this kind of in this handwritten font. I think it's Calypso. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. then there's just like this Unicode smiley face that is not in the font, and it's kind. It's a little <laughs> jarring. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's especially jarring if like me, you're reading a uh, uh, white text on black. <laughs> because the whole yeah. thing is the wrong color <laughs> oh wow okay yeah it makes it feel eerie we should move on to sentence number three uh, <laughs> yeah, we should. Uh, <laughs> no no but this uh th- this kind of this kind of opening movement is all about uh kind of establishing the you know the the, the character of the gunslinger and this is at least for this for this chapter the, the the most kind of advanced in time like this happens after everything else in the chapter and everything else is like nested flashbacks so uh one, one of my favorite descriptors that I think gives a really good kind of description of what of 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 who the gunslinger is is uh the, they describe him as the kind of person who would straighten pictures in the in strange hotel rooms. Yeah, that's it and I I took that and cuz we we see him he's he's following the sorcerer, right? Mm-hmm. And he's he's a man who cares about law, not necessarily justice. Right order and law and and maybe i'm completely whatever but i think that also tells us a little bit about the man that he's going after as I think well order is a good word to use there yeah same absolutely okay yeah i mean he he, he is a gunslinger and that is that is a term of art in this world um, right. You know, when when he talks about when he talks about Gilead, when he talks about his past as what he kind of used to be. And we're going to see that with his uh, with his training and kind of ne- the next chapters, those flashbacks, um, you know, like like it's this is not explicitly like a like a cowboy. He's not a lawman. Um, no, he's 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 clearly something else. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the the secret trick his fingers did? Yeah. The reloading trick. Yeah, like that, like, and I'm glad that he doesn't describe what that is, mm-hmm. because again, oh, all right, I'm I'm not doing really <laughs> anything else. No, all right, we're gonna go on. Yeah, <laughs> but but, no. but yeah, we we also get like very little um, kind of sense of what this guy looks like. We mm. we, we just kind of get from his actions. Um, but yeah, like just, uh, like the, the, those particular details. And we also, we also get the, he, uh, this having this kind of strange sense of deja vu about his, about his dying friends and, uh, and a pretty big, um, pre- pretty big hook toward the end of the story there. Mm. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the, the big mystery I came with. Well, from this chapter is what happened. It's clearly something happened, right? Something something has happened to the world, and something has happened to the gunslinger, and I mm-hmm. don't know either. But I know neither is right. 
Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the, the, book, the world is the book explicitly on. tells you that yeah, the world has moved on. Dang it, Evan, you got me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. If you're going to take the the first line of the book as your favorite, which is also my favorite, the world has moved on is the thing that I just really really enjoy. Like the, the, it just it says so much in such a compact sentence that I I very much love that. <clears throat> yeah. And and like that 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 is a refrain that doesn't just apply to the world. They even use that when talking about Allie. You know, when talking about the uh, kind of the romantic interest for this chapter. Um, you know, to describe just kind of the, 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 the rundown state of everything, even the people here, you know, and the rules don't apply like West isn't West anymore, which is, which is an incredibly upsetting notion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I hate to, to, to to bring Dark Souls up again, but stuff's all timey wimey again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Time doesn't hold direction doesn't hold. Nobody seems to care, which is even more disturbing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when he goes to uh, when he goes to meet Brown, who I always I always think is called Zoltan, but no, that's his bird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. He doesn't know how long it's been since the man in black passed through. Right. Like <laughs> the, the, the gunslinger right. says, like, yeah, we, you know, I've been chasing him for eight months, but who knows? And he gets her and Brown says, like, yeah, this it could have either been two months, six weeks. Does it matter? Yeah, his only form of time is that the bean guy has been by twice to sell beans, (laughs) which I don't know. My bean guy comes whenever he wants to. So I don't know if his bean guy is on a schedule, but that's weird. My bean (laughs) guy, my bean guy just knows when to show up. Bean guys are weird. huh? Yeah, It's a mystical craft. (laughs) (laughs) And, And man, this is like, what is what is up with Brown? What is Brown doing? scraping by is he but like like what yeah the whole like, concept is, is super interesting right because you have this guy in the middle of basically nowhere and he even he talks about commerce like he talks about exchanging going to the the city that we're gonna get to and then going to the the toll um and then not wanting to go over there but also like having commerce with this bean guy like it's but for what purpose like where does the money coming from what are you spending it on like you live in the middle of nowhere with a bird like what what like, are you doing he had a wife but like yeah like he had a wife at some point and like i got i got the feeling that was a long time ago well yeah he's he's described you know he's he's kind of a mountain man he's got this wild shock of red hair with this long beard and his and his best friend is a bird who you know shouts vulgarities at him <laughs> <laughs> you know right <laughs> yeah and it's not even that he has commerce with uh with the people of tall who he who he doesn't really trust it's that one year he had a bumper crop of corn because they got 15 minutes of rain yeah that like, which, and that's yeah this is just like this this world is is just fucked <laughs> which like, that, I, I mean like this this wasn't always a desert <laughs> Oh man, and I kind of like that. I you know I get the impression that he wouldn't even talk to the bean guy mm-hmm. if you could just survive on corn. Yeah, but I mean, you need a you need some protein. <laughs> man, <laughs> man, can I live on corn alone? No, I mean, yeah. And he he's he's just barely scraping by. Like after after uh, the gunslinger drinks from his well, he says, "Hey, if you need to if you need to piss, can you piss on my corn?" He's like, "Yeah, no problem." Like just the, the, the extreme privation that is happening here. 
but he is still willing to share with somebody who's a gunslinger, even though like Brown kind of knows that the, you know, that the gunslinger, it's weird that I'm not naming him because I think it's important that he's not named until the end. But like, he, he knows that the gunslinger is like from this, like he recognizes what a gunslinger is or was, or used to be. And it's like, yeah, I know you think I'm a sorcery left by that guy. You're just going to have to trust that I'm legit. Right. And, and then maybe we're moving, I'm moving a little bit further here. Like, after the gunslinger basically lays out his confession that he, hey, I just killed 40 plus people. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem particularly upset. <laughs> <laughs> Brown's just kind of like, okay, well, you know, you've said this. You feel bad. You're not a demon. Right. <laughs> so. I guess so. And, and also, could, could you please not kill me before you leave? Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a line in there, too, of um, when the gunslinger is laying that story out to Brown. And at some point, um, I believe when he goes down to the well, right? When he goes out of the well, he kind of suspects, like, I'm down here. Brown could just throw a rock at me and kill me and steal all my stuff. And I think it's around here where he says the only – I don't remember the exact phrase. I should have made a note, note of it. But, like, the only thing that he's not prepared to deal with is losing his own mind, mm-hmm. some, something to that extent. And that's kind of a fascinating thing to me. Like, this guy's set upon a almost an endless quest at this point. Like, not a, he pretty much thinks it's going to take forever, his entire lifetime, to catch this guy. And thinking, like, I am prepared for anything but losing my mind. Like, that's a kind of a, a – it strikes to the heart when you say that he wants to have order when he's straightening those paintings in the hotel room. Like, he's prepared for, to do anything, and he'll do it with precision, except he just doesn't want to – become a mad person become one of those crazed weirdos out in the desert yeah like yeah. he doesn't want to become like the man in black because when we when we see who the man in black is like when we get an like an offhand description he's talked about like he's talked about in terms of gibbering madness and craven smiles and what's funny is like whenever roland kind of <laughs> whenever roland kind of remarks on on kind of like oh i'm not sure if i can trust my senses at this point he always says like oh it's kind of funny like <laughs> like all he can do is just kind of laugh to himself internally to like kind of cope with being put off balance like that yeah i think my maybe my favorite part about brown kind of plays into that a little bit uh which is you know there there is the doubt as to whether Brown is an illusion or a trap left by the man in black. And, and Brown acknowledges that. And, and Roland wants to believe that he's real, that he's not going crazy, that uh, there's all this stuff and there's all this doubt and there's all this foreshadowing, but Brown never gives any reason not to trust him. Right. And then after Roland leaves, that's just it. Like he's just this weird dude who lives in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and there's there's all of this like potential implication, but that's it. It nothing <laughs> nothing actually happens. And that's so interesting to me. Yeah. There's also something kind of cool there where like this lowliest of people, like Brown Brown seems good. Like he's you know, he's doing it for himself. But like can can you think of it like of anything more pathetic than just kind of living off of a row of corn that is watered by the piss of of passers by? Like he, he seems happy with it, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to take it away from Brown, but like the fact that Roland is 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 looking at the world around him and seeing threats even in this kind of talks about maybe what he's seen from the man in black before. Yeah. The thing is, mm-hmm. but the thing is, I think Brown is the only person in this, this world that I have currently met who I could say is a good person. Right. Like the only one, mm-hmm. which is, which again gets back to, man, this world is <laughs> fucked. <laughs> yep. That's, that's the one thing I like about the series as a whole. And I don't, 
get, kind of get a little bit ahead, but like hardly anybody can be considered a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, and most, most of the characters in the store are deeply, deeply flawed. And the, and the it, one yeah. that you could even go to that has kind of a, an innocence about him is, I guess, not flawed, but he, he, it, it's, he, he becomes flawed in his quest with this stuff. So it's, it's a really, yeah, I like, I like the fact that you don't know what anybody's like, mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that nobody is innocent, one hundred percent. Nobody is innocent, but the good guys they they work on getting better. There you go. Yeah. So it's also funny here because this is a confession too. Like they're talking, and uh, you know, Brown asks, "Hey, what's on your mind?" And and, and uh, the gunslinger says, "Oh, have you heard of Tall?" He's like, "Go ahead." No, actually, Brown doesn't, though. Oh, shit. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he straight up does not. Like, Roland, ex- excuse me, the gunslinger expects him to, but he, he never, he, Brown never asks. So he's like, well, should I, should I, oh, should I he's talk? like, oh, I, I don't want to bring it up for myself. Like, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I, I, I forgot about that detail. So it's like, yeah, it, you go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, Brown is, I don't know. He just, he doesn't, he's completely checked out of this world. <laughs> yeah. That's the first clue I think that the gunslinger has that something may be amiss here is that this dude is not behaving the way he would expect him. The gunslinger would expect him to behave like he's not asking questions. He's not saying, oh, you're a gunslinger. Is there anything of the old world left or anything like that? He's Mm -hmm. just, hey, you know, I'm going to make some beans if you can pay for some beans. And that's (laughs) that's what we're going to do. The other thing I like about this is that the narrative structure here and that we we open up with him chasing the man in black and then he picks up the piece of bacon we talked about earlier and then starts remembering his time with Brown. And then during his time with Brown, he starts telling this story about what just happened in toll. So we're mm-hmm. kind of within a, a story within a memory. And I always kind of dig that when books do that. Like I, yeah. if they can pull it off, which the first chapter does pretty well, I, I dig yeah. it. It's a, it's a nesting doll. So yeah, let's go, let's go one layer deeper uh, as he, you know, as the gunslinger describes what happened in this town of toll, which is just like, if you looked for the dictionary definition of like dying Western town, toll would match it. Yes. Yeah. You got the, you've got the kind of the broken kind of lights, which, and, and here's, here's the, one of my favorite details about Tull and it's the, the Beatles song, Hey Jude. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, the fact that one, that this is a quote unquote modern song being played. Mm-hmm. Is that what, what came out sixties roughly? I'm yeah. not a, I'm not a huge Beatle file, but like, we we are very clearly something has happened to the modern world. <laughs> this is this is so far into the future that it might be the past, or who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, but and like and that's it. This is and Hey Jude is also just a, probably one of the more haunting Beatles songs, mm-hmm. especially when you have this whole town full of like toothless and sick people screaming nah nah like explicitly yeah. Oh, yeah. Th- they're on the chorus for this entire like walk in just sounds like the worst karaoke joint you could possibly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but th- but that's kind of coming out of this honky talk which again it's got the batwing doors and there's a there, there's a short confrontation with a couple of local toughs these kids who are missing eyes yeah. and have got like just pieces missing off of them oh yeah, and he's he's got a, a scorpion tail in his hat like mm-hmm. What is going on with that? Mm-hmm. And the the one kid who tells him where he can get food, the rest of them like gang up on the kid for being nice. Yep, to an outsider. 
Yeah. And kissing his sister, because apparently incest is like a big thing in this town, which is super mm-hmm. gross. Yeah, there's a lot of weird sex stuff happening here. That <laughs> oh, like yeah. if you're if you're mm-hmm. if you're just going along with this, like if you're reading this or listening to the show to kind of get a, a glimpse of the story, there's gonna be weird sex stuff in this first book, and it is far less free frequent throughout the rest of the series. So like it, not to be prudish or anything, but like if that is a thing that puts you off. Go- I don't know. It gets pretty weird in the rest of the books, too. <laughs> it, it, it gets arguably weirder, mm-hmm. but it's infrequent. Yes. I'm okay without being a prude about incest. Like, you know, <laughs> sex, sex positive. Yep. You know, do do what you like unless you're hurting people. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> do man. what you like unless it's your cousin. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so Not good. again, we're just we're, we're we're getting snapshots of the world through interactions here as he goes through the bowing doors into this into this honky tonk and immediately sidles up to the bartender alley. This woman who uh, has this horrible scar, like one eye is entirely scarred over um, talking about, oh, she she must have been pretty at one time, but the world has moved on. OK, so I'm, I'm going to bring up this this part. I'm just going to because there's no real. What is what is going on? Is this a function of the world? Like women are losing fertility or what is what is going on with women and wanting sex in this book? So but this is this is the only example of that. I mean, this is I think this is like it's just kind of her thing. I and mean, she talks about it a little bit later about her need and her desire that she can't really control. I think at, at a certain point, like women have the same kind of desires as dudes do. And it's just mm-hmm. brought out because there are no. There are no single fellas out there for her. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just a it, dry like, town. I mean, it, I'm like, I, I can definitely see that, and then I, but like the way it, it's kind of treated, and then later on, when he's uh, he's in the church and he talks about his desire for, uh, is it Sylvia? Yeah, Sylvia, the, uh, the the preacher. Right. The pre- so it, it it feels like the fact that I don't like. There's kind of a parallel there. Like I kind of got a, a hit hint that something was going on possibly mm-hmm. with sex, but maybe I just hadn't gotten old far enough in the book, but this could just be uh, Stephen King being weird. Yeah. It, so, so it's very, it's very much Stephen King being weird. There is, you know, something to do with like just mutations happening because of, you know, just again, the world moving on, you know, when, when Roland, orders those burgers and says like hey give me your best give me your threaded stock he says like oh whatever this came from must have you know must have had six maybe eight legs something like that like it's 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 mostly seen in like the livestock but even like human mutations like not all of these scars or deformities are because the world is just tough like people just come out fucked up because Mm -hmm. because of this i don't know what that has to do with sex drives what the way ali phrases it is actually kind of strange she says you know as the gunslinger starts talking to her and asking for information about the man in black she says well you can probably figure out my price um because there's a need that i have that i can't fulfill myself anymore and which is is really awkward like that 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 line delivery is just yeah. really weird and that, that right. to me says more about stephen king than anything yeah. in this world well, and, and another another thing is throughout the series sex is kind of used as a commodity a, yeah. a lot like and and sometimes it's as a currency sometimes it's as a, a weapon or a defensive measure mm-hmm. but like it's it's always used for a very pointed purpose mm-hmm. and that's something that i I'm, i i have i'm not sure how i feel about yeah 
and it's probably just how awkwardly that's phrased yeah that it it made me think oh something some magical realism is going on here mm-hmm. but uh yeah. well <laughs> the, the, there 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 is a an implied connection to something that happens later um okay. to that and I'll, I'll 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 hit us when it when we're in the heat of that moment because uh because i th- i think that there may be there may be some relation between this and something that again happened earlier because guess what we're going to start going back in time again like we're going to go back to another <laughs> layer uh, oh boy all right i'm in, i'm into it <laughs> yeah but uh but no like uh, i i love this detail too that you know when when Lottie da mr gunslinger comes in dropping a gold piece um, on three burgers and some beer, everybody just kind of like the room goes silent and everybody looks up as she starts cooking the meat. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and, and this is, and because the world is fucked, we, you, we get this, this, there's a, a lack of resources, right? Mm-hmm. And then here's somebody who's putting down some gold, which I guess everyone wants, but is ultimately useless. Cause nobody can make change for it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Hey, uh, <laughs> he didn't buy any beans. Maybe the bean guys got all the change down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like here here's this guy eating like I mean I would I would be as big old fat guy that I am. <laughs> I, I don't think I can even eat three hamburgers in a sitting. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's been out he's been out on the on the hard pan for, for several days. He's been running for eight months. <laughs> eating yeah. eating uh campfire bacon yeah <laughs> wishing just wishing praying that he had some beans for once <laughs> <laughs> so now getting getting on to the the next part of the story when 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 ali starts giving him information we are now we, we start hearing ali's story which is part of roland's story which is part of roland's memory which is part of the book that we are reading <laughs> yes <laughs> yes right Yep. <laughs> so that's where we're at now. <laughs> wheels within wheels. And then, and then at that point, Nort tells Alice. No. <laughs> <laughs> Everything collapses in on itself. At that, that's that, that's that's why it happens. It's not any magic. It's just the story <laughs> too, structure. Too many, too many narrative layers. Oh no! Right. N- yeah. Nineteen is the number of narrative layers that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> if there was just like a little symbol on the side of each page to let you know which layer you were in. <laughs> uh, oh, Lord, we're watching Sucker Punch here. Uh, <laughs> God, uh, what yeah. a terrible, <laughs> terrible thing. Uh, but no, there's this there's this guy who's kind of like keeled over at one of the tables and uh we we've learned about this devil grass earlier in the in the opening uh the gunslinger talks about oh when you burn it you can see spirits dancing inside of it and some people smoke it some people chew it but they're pretty far gone well nort he just has like green dribble coming out of the side of him and i picture i always picture picture nort looking like uh uh vincent d'onofrio's character for men in black Okay. Oh God! Yeah, okay. oh, gosh. <laughs> the, the, yeah. The farmer is exactly what I picture, and he's like this pathetic Man. figure who is like an addict to this stuff, right? And uh, mm-hmm. you know, the gunslinger says, "Yeah, he should be dead." And well, funny you should say that because Allie has a story. Yes, <laughs> a story that she would tell as soon as you have sex with her. <laughs> yep, <laughs> as soon as she gets hers. Um, yeah, but uh, but no, like the the, the story is um, a, a while back. Uh, Nord walks into the into the bar with hell in his eyes, with a wide grin, having just chewed. He vomits green all down the front of him, and then falls over dead. Yeah, uh, that's how people go. Like, yeah. I feel like that's like yeah, that's a pretty peaceful way to go in this world. <laughs> yep, died with a smile on his face, doing what right. he loved, chewing yeah, he, didn't er- he didn't erupt in tumors. I guess he. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the end of video drone. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but uh well that couldn't that like they couldn't leave well enough alone. He had to become a pawn in the Man in Black's game as he rolls up to Nort's wake with this horrid happy grin and orders mm. some whiskey. And again, Allie is uh is is all about this dude. Yeah, he's wearing priest's robes, which is such an interesting touch too. Robes without any kind of sig um I just want to say signal, but that's not what I'm looking for. The so any kind of symbol, yeah, mm -hmm. on them. Um so like we don't even know if they're actual preacher robes or priest robes or they they're just black robes at this point. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. And, and yet so, she is all about this dude upon like the very first. And again, we go through this whole thing where he orders a whiskey, there's some money exchange, and she's like, I got change for that. And he's like, Well, uh, I'm not looking for it. Mm -hmm. Which I guess is like her trigger word because she's all she's all into not giving change. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Keep the change. Oh baby. Um so, and there's something off because uh, because, you know, when he orders another one, he says once more with feeling, as they say, in the world next door, which, again, that is out of place here. And it, they call attention to his his eyes at this point, which I think are I guess do they it's either the gunslinger or him. He does it first. I don't remember. The gunslinger doesn't have any color in his eyes. Is that true? Or am I thinking someone else? The gunslinger has like piercing blue eyes. Uh, well, OK, so, yeah, here we go. Um so the sorcerer actually has, right, so at first the sorcerer is described as, as not having any color in his eyes, but then uh, after he, he's starting to work his magic, his eyes turn blue. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like, oh, so this is, this isn't, uh, this is something, something crazy is about to happen. Someone's eyes, <laughs> uh, you know, evoking, was, Dune was before this, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, and, you know blue eyes something something's crazy about to happen someone's about to look through the sands of time yeah. or something yeah he's uh, he's going he's going full riding um yeah. <laughs> he is riding the worm <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but uh but so like he, he shows up and like he walks in the door and this is nort's wake right and so he starts doing a little bit of his uh of his voodoo like summoning down a storm again with the riding angle and uh spitting in nort's face while ali masturbates behind the bar and the room just goes into a frenzy watching him do this do this ritual right you might I'd forgotten all about this until I read it again, but the the ritual consists of him doing like flips over Nord's mm -hmm. body. Yep. And what, what? I cannot wait to see Matthew McConaughey do this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, you're, you're going to be waiting for a while because you know they're not starting with the first book, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's so weird. What, what, uh, anyway. Wait, what, what are they starting with? They're, they just said they're going to start at, um, oh, what's the fancy word for like in the middle that, they, that a lot of people arrest. like to use? There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're just they're just said they're going to start in the middle. Uh, the the one of the articles I saw said they want to save the gunslinger for like maybe a TV show down the road, which seems weird. But that, whatever. That's bizarre. I would have thought I, drawing of the three would be the TV show. <laughs> yeah, I would. But I mean, I could see them starting up with with um, the wastelands as because that's, that's kind of a action packed book. So maybe they yeah. want to start the movie with there. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm assuming. Like that that seems like it would be a good starting point and then you can kind of branch off from there. Yeah. I'm so done with origin stories anyway that I'm pretty happy <laughs> with it. Well, I mean, they're not starting with Wizarding Wizard and Glass, so Oh god. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to distract. Yeah. Right. No. The home dude flips over this guy like 18 times or something and then he comes back to life, which is super weird and yeah. not was it 18 cool. times or was it 19 times? 
It was probably 19 times. <laughs> you're absolutely right. <laughs> it depends on which version you're reading. So, yeah. so I wanted just to point this out. It's, it's my southern upbringing here. Uh, and and it's it seems like it's an important thing where they they they're very much contrasting against uh you know with priesthood and and uh and the divine this this reminds me a lot of the kind of the big tent revival kind of thing something you would see someone do in a big tent revival yeah like like jumping over the sick like that's a that's a <laughs> thing people do uh <laughs> he's doing flips for jesus yeah oh like 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 i don't want to like if you're into that yep okay. no no that's a that's fine have yeah. you guys uh have, have y'all seen carnival that kind of two season hbo show because the preacher in carnival really strikes me as a man in black kind of character the because mm-hmm. he, he does that like he's full-on hands healing hands the whole night and he gets kind of crazy and weird like i think that dude would have made a good uh man in black as, as well um mm-hmm. But yeah, it's exactly like exactly what Murph is talking about. Like that big tent, like kill you with my hands and knock you out. People, you know, dropping on the floor. He, he's speaking in tongues. It's yeah. gets a little crazy in there. And as, as someone who has witnessed that, oh boy, Ooh. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. not not for me. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, yep. <laughs> live, live, live and live and let live for sure. But it's a spectacle. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, let, let, let me see here. This is a great contrast too, because like. Uh, we have the we have the gunslinger who is who is so solemn right who is so so self-serious and you know doesn't talk and then we have the man in black this apparent like agent of chaos coming in and talking about like hey you know even death is an irreversible but it's so goddamn funny like this is all a prank to him right yeah like he has no reason to do this mm-hmm. and that, well i mean he does but <laughs> There's, there's, there are, there are easier ways, mm-hmm. but this, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, and, he's, he's doing it just to fuck with, uh, with the gunslinger. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and, he's a villain. Like he's never going to take the easy way to kill the hero. <laughs> right? Right. He's got to have a plan. He's got to have a base. Preferably the base is on the moon or on an asteroid. Like he's got to go through a process here. <laughs> well, and, and also like in, in the entire gunslinger, I don't remember if it happens in, in at the end, if, if we find out that, Walter O'Dim is Randall Flagg, but at we, this point we only know him as Walter O'Dim. Right. But if you've read The Stand, it's pretty clear that this is the same character, just like the really weird, demented, like just everything is a joke sensibility, mm-hmm. which was what made The Stand so just intensely creepy. Yeah. Well, I mean, so so this character, Walter Ardem, he's identified in this in this note that he that he gives to North that is passed along to Alley that contains kind of this this mind trap. But this character, it is, it, 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 I believe, at the end, it is confirmed. Like, hey, I've had many names over many different, you know, kind of iterations, I suppose. Um, and you know, like I, I, one of them was Randall Flagg, and Randall Flagg is actually linked back to again saying I've had many names, uh, and he was like Narathotep. N- uh, from the Lovecraft um, kind of stuff, like he is just he is Stephen King's all-purpose trickster magician, like a, a devil character almost. Yeah, yeah. Which can I? Can we camp out on the those. note for a minute? Yes. This that this whole note is probably the distillation of what I really don't like about the revised version of this book. That that does not <clears throat> excuse me. This does not exist in the original at all. The note. The note does not exist. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, so like this whole mind trap <clears throat> thing just doesn't it? Dev, it never comes up in the original book. So, 
jumping ahead for and I'll I'll let us get there naturally, but jumping ahead for what this eventually means for the gunslinger leaving this town, like mm-hmm. none of that. That's all more. The town went crazy and not Walter set a trap. Huh. Like it, this is all this. None of this exists, and it's it's kind of it's it's weird reading this nowadays. Like when you're looking at this and okay, so this I guess this was a specific trickster god trick, but like mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like to me, it worked better as. Like he just ran through and his natural chaos just rubbed off on these people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. That, there was probably a better way to express that than rubbed did, off. But Ali <laughs> was doing all that. Um, did, 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 he, did he? Did he? Sorry. <laughs> you, gotta, sorry you, you gotta make jokes about it. Yeah. <laughs> because it's so goofy. Um, but uh, but did he revive Nort in the in the story? Because I could oh, yeah, I could see that yeah. being like oh like he does this and then that 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 puts the the, the preacher on edge. Hmm. And and she like regardless she she turns you know to turns the town against him anyway so like this is just a way to just a, a way to set up Roland having to kill Ali for pretty much no reason making her a prop in his story and there's there's this and there's one other spot that I'll talk about in this chapter and then I promise I'll drop the whole comparison thing I don't I don't know if it's <laughs> interesting to the audience at large but like there's no, like there, I'm there's, in, no, I, I'm as someone who doesn't know it's interesting because that. Uh, because yeah. hmm. now now that you mention it like it's weird that he gave himself two kind of reasons why the town went crazy one is ali said 19 to noth uh or also sylvia just you know getting revenge if you will yeah mm-hmm. but what's the what's the other comparison um at some point and I, I'm, we're kind of all over the place so i apologize fine, but worry. the uh, <laughs> at, at, at some point um the piano player who has been identified as this guy, Sheb. Um, Sheb has, and there's an early moment where uh, the gunslinger is like, I think I recognize that guy. And then as the gunslinger and Allie are hooking up, Sheb rolls in with a knife thinking he's going to stab the gunslinger, which doesn't seem like a good idea. And that's when Roland, or this is when the gunslinger says, oh, hey, I know you. You were back there at um, Magus, and you were there with the, and he's like, well, you were just a boy. <laughs> None of that existed. And that's all like three books huh. ahead. Yep. Yeah, that's all, that's all like, that's foundations for like book four and none of that was in the original. Like it was just, it's just weird to see that stuff. Like it's almost off putting to somebody who's familiar with the original book. So Mm -hmm. again, it's, it's nitpicky stuff, but I kind of find it interesting (laughs) that what he changed versus what he didn't change. Like Mm -hmm. he's leaving in the woman just masturbating for no reason as we resurrect a dead man. But (laughs) we have to, we have to have have to. (sighs) Yeah. That was the other reason why I thought something, something magical was going on with sex. Mm hmm. I mean, not that. Oh, never mind. <laughs> don't, don't worry. I'm just mad at myself for that one. <laughs> no, but just like just, 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 something is off with the way that that is with the way that that is treated in the world. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like all like all those revisions, especially the stuff that were like really really stuck out. Is like, oh, I know where that pops in. I know where you know. I, I like I recognize that. Like the revisions were made to make it look like he had planned most of this out from the beginning. Exactly. Hmm. And which is not true at all, right? <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah. But uh, but this but this note, as as we as we've kind of alluded to, it is from the Man in Black, and it's it's written to Allie and saying like, "Hey, if you want to know the secrets of death, just say just say the secret word nineteen to him, and he'll tell you. Oh, it's going to drive you mad, and you're not going to be able to resist doing this. Have fun." So, so I'm going to defend the note here because I think this actually tells you something about the world. And not necessarily about the, the mysticism, because if someone handed me a note and said, hey, there's this guy in this town uh, 
if you ever say 19 to him, you, you know, you'll go crazy. Mm -hmm. I, I would just move. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody can make change, so it probably wouldn't pop up in, uh, in, in too many, in too many transactions. Right. But so here's the thing though, like, and I'm, I'm being flippant and all that, but there's nowhere to move to oh, is yeah. the, is the idea. Like Ali, like, sure. She might, she might lose her mind in town, but <laughs> there's nowhere to go. Yeah. There's no hope anywhere. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, she, she, she could go, she could go hang out with Brown. He seems to have a pretty sweet gig. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All the corn you can eat. Yeah. As long as you piss on it first. All the piss corn. Um, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and so, you know, Allie is telling the story to, 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 you know, to the gunslinger in, in bed um here and uh she asks like is, is he serious what should i do and the gunslinger again says says something that i think like this is a really cool sentence uh the uh, the man who signed himself walter odim is a lot of things but a liar isn't one of them so like he is not like being deceitful here he is dead serious about it right yeah so let's let's kind of get into the uh into the rising action of this a little bit because things Thing, things uh, uh, get, get out of control pretty quick. Um, <laughs> there's a there, there's a, a disturbing scene with uh, with Kennerly, the, uh, the 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 hostler, and his exhibitionist daughters who are tweaking their nipples at the gunslinger, um, which I didn't understand. Um, and uh, uh, there's, there's go ahead it, again. This is me. I I just attributed this to like, and, and did everyone see Waterworld? Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. Well, they're yeah. like, wow, fresh genetic stock. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, now that you mentioned, there are, there are a lot of, like, I guess there are a lot of chicks that are, like, getting a little crazy with this stuff. You're, you're kind of mm -hmm. right. Like, I, I never really put all this stuff together, but it's a little weird that the magic is making all the ladies so horny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm, like, I, that's why, and I mean, if we, if we don't attribute it to magic, it could be the, hey, this, this town has a limited breeding pool and we're already kind of, people are, you know, double dipping if you will yeah uh someone new in the pool is good yeah maybe i don't like if if we if stephen king isn't making this kind of a weird magic thing maybe that's it i don't yeah. know i could see that and that's that's kind of how i read it mm -hmm. like just a, just another way again the just the rules you know showing i'm gonna say this word it's gonna sound like i'm sex negative here the degradation of like just the way that we expect things to go like it is a it is a way for him to demonstrate that things are weird in a very like potent in a very potent shorthand right yeah but yeah um yeah there's 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 the weird scene where he or is it kennerly distracts him while his his daughter tries to brain him with a piece of firewood essentially <laughs> yeah to get his stuff uh, yeah, it's like yeah you, that's not that's not a good idea <laughs> I mean, well but i think his reaction is great and like he expected them to try and do that mm -hmm. like he's like yeah all right yeah you, you, you go go away give me my mule i'm i'm gonna i'm, I'm expecting my mule back eventually <laughs> it's not like oh i'm taking my mule and going because you tried to kill me mm -hmm. it's like hey could you keep him another day please also yeah. don't hit me with this piece of wood <laughs> Yeah, every everybody gets one free one free shot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh but it's coming up on Sunday and there's this uh there there's this preacher woman in town, Sylvia Pittison, or Pittston, uh rather, who mm. uh who Allie doesn't like because she says she's got poison religion. 
Um, and Roland goes down to uh, see this the, the, this sermon that happens to be on the uh, on the topic of the interloper. This one figure from the Bible again, you know, again a, a, a figment of this world. In that one, the, the one figure of this Bible that she has no no relation to, no no sympathy for this gibbering madness. Right, this unholy glee, and she's very much desc- describing this, uh, you know, Walter O'Dim, this man in black, you know, the Antichrist, a crimson king with bloody eyes, right? Um, who made the machines stamped with Lamerck again, one of these things that was seated back, um, calling forward into the series. Um, but you know, she's very much talking about the man in black, but instead, this turns around to become about uh, the gunslinger, right? And like he, I, I want to. His description of her is just insane. Like, yeah. She is a fit, like she's described as 300 pounds, mm-hmm. but like I didn't have like, oh, she's rotund. No, she's 300 pounds of muscle. Yeah. Like I, I, legs I, the, the like phrase, slabs. Yeah. yeah. Breasts like earthworks stuck out to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I don't even, that's a, do you think Stephen King had seen breasts before he wrote this book? <laughs> <laughs> because that's a weird expression. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing a Google image search on Earthworks right now, and I'm seeing a bunch of uh, uh, I'm seeing a bunch of crop circles. What appears to be crop circles or edge mazes. <laughs> like she is, she is, she's she's healthy, right? Which is just in direct contrast to everybody to everyone, else. Yeah, to everyone else, and. I guess it's revealed later that she's not from here. She's from beyond the desert. Yeah, she rolled in about twelve years ago. Right. Yeah. So, so she knows she knows something that I don't know yeah. right now, and you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but, but no, she uh, like yeah, she she has this health about her that like yeah. really really gets uh, really gets the gunslinger's motor motor rolling, and he he wants to know more about this again because of because of the sermon. So he finds out where she lives, and we get this pretty upsetting encounter between the two of them. See, I, I got his. I got that desire coming from the fact that there was a demon inside of her. Like I thought that was a more of a symptom that way. Hmm. Uh, so, so he, so he knows. Like he can spot right. it from a mile away. I didn't link that with the desire that he felt for her. Well, I don't. That's kind of. I don't. I'm not. Again, not basing that on anything. But that hmm. would be consistent. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, did, did, did anybody else have have a have a, a, a hypothesis about that? No, I, really I, don't, I also don't know who, and I guess this is a, is a child of the Crimson King, and I don't know who that is. Right. So. Would, you know who the Crimson King is, right? I, I do not. Don't spoil it. Well, no, I mean, you, you read The Stand, though. Uh, it was a while ago, but I mean, he, the okay. devil. Yeah. Um, that, that, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, I didn't think about this earlier when y'all asked me, but none of this Crimson King shit is in the original novel either. So oh, that's yeah. all new. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, we're, we're, yeah. and this is stuff from book five and beyond. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I didn't mean to get into any of that. I'm sorry. I, I just, so is she, is she pregnant in the original? Yes. Yeah, she 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 has she has a demon. She has something something unholy from the man in black. He says, uh, "Oh, he screwed you in more ways than one." Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, multiple, it's it's also it's like it's like innuendo. <laughs> de- de- definitely innuendo. A double entendre. Um and uh and the gunslinger is like, "Yeah, we got to we we, we got to get that thing out of you." Um, and thankfully, it doesn't go into too much detail, although that definitely 
it, I, I'm not sure what happens. There's something special about the guns. Um, that, that's a, I, about as much as I drew. Yeah, I don't. I, I the, don't even know if I want to talk about this. Like, what? Yeah, I don't know what he does here, but she gets really mad at him, and I don't like. There's at one point he says like he doesn't want her special flesh or something, and like it just gets really grody. Like I'm yeah. just not. Like I just. Well, eh, eh. I, I think it also just shows that sex is dangerous. Yeah, and just in all of our lives. No, no, here. Sex and demons are dangerous. Yes, and they're, and they're the sex two and guns. Yeah, <laughs> but but, but yeah, like he he does he does something with with, with the gun, which details later on will reveal like there's something special about them that i am just going to i am just going to assume that proximity to the demon causes causes it to die which which upsets her right yeah so we'll 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 we'll, yeah, yep. we'll, 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 we'll leave it at that because the gunslinger wants to roll out of town and she sylvia wants some blood and so as he is kind of gathering up his stuff he notices hey it's pretty quiet out here and the townspeople ambush him in a scene that might as well just be the beginning of uh, resident evil 4 pretty much <laughs> uh yeah that are um got maybe with less schoolgirls, uh the kill bill <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but yeah, like so the 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 first attack here is uh, is from somebody who is holding Allie hostage, and you know she rolls up and she begs Roland to kill her. Like she doesn't want her life. Kill me, Roland. Kill me. This is the first time we hear his name in the book. Um, I said the word nineteen. I said, and he told me I can't bear it. So she she is out of her mind, and they know that Roland is close to her, and so he does what his hands were were trained and bred to do, and he he takes her out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this and this starts off like this flurry of action that for a book called The Gunslinger, we're 70 pages in pretty much before we even get one of these. And just the the, the, the precision with which he is described as doing this is pretty impressive. Well, and I mean, that's consistent with Westerns, though, right? It's not yeah. Westerns aren't uh, action free for alls until they are. Yeah, it, you, there's there's definitely a lot of buildup, but then the payoff's pretty great when you get there. And yeah, the 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 mob that is kind of ambushing him, Sylvia's obviously leading it, but then uh Nort being crucified on the roof of the church was something that was always really an interesting touch, I thought. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of draws Nort's role in all of this into question. How so? Well, just you know, like Nort was dead and then the man in black brought him back, and then he was just kind of around. Mm. And Sylvia was a fan of the man in black and I would have thought that she would have been, you know, kind of a, a protector of Nort or, or in favor of Nort being there. Yeah. Uh, and that is clearly not the case. And it's, it's not really explained why she is not, I, I guess I would assume that she would be protective of uh, anything that has a connection to Walter. Yeah. Like Nort, Nort specifically says, oh, I'm here because God touched me. Right. And so yeah. if, if, if this whole town is under a spell, you know, from, from, from the man of black down through Sylvia that, you know, that God has a hand in this, like Nort should be Lazarus. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it, we've got this kind of, there's this juxtaposition of what is the divine and what's evil and what's, what should be, what, what is called divine is actually evil. Mm-hmm. And what is normally a man with a gun, something, you know. So is 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 the good guy, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. 
yeah, like there's we, we we have all these reversals, and you know right. she is she is leading this mob as though as though Roland is the monster. Like she's rallied them up, up against him as though he is the devil. Yeah, it, and, it, I can't square away why Nord is crucified either. So so is this a double trap? In other words, has <laughs> yeah. has has the man in black set up Nort so that when Ali triggered him with the mind control phrase, um, he becomes something to be demified, demified, I can't, man, I can't speak. Demonized. <clears throat> Demonized. Thank you. Sorry about that. That's right. Um, so that kind of all of a sudden whips this crowd who's already been whipped up with these impo- <clears throat> interloper, you know, fire and brimstone kind of speeches into mm. crucifying Nort. And then blame taking all of that energy and going after Roland. Yeah, led and, by led by Sylvia, who has her own motive. Exactly, and I think there's some there's some imagery there where when Sylvia comes after Roland, he he's like having a whole like the whole time he's shooting all of this town like it is everybody in town. <laughs> yep. Um, he's having like he's reloading as fast as he can, and there's there's moments where he can only fit four bullets in, and then he shoots four people before you know he gets has to roll away, and then he can do one gun, and then he can do two guns. Mm-hmm. But he takes the time to shoot the two crosses that Sylvia's carrying out of her hand first before, you know, shooting her in the head four times. So he wasted an entire gun's worth of ammunition on her. And he didn't really have to. Like, you know, he's a precision shot. So Mm -hmm. that to me is more symbolic of, like, she's the one that's – she's the energy driving all of this. And what set her free on this was Nort being set free. So this this whole thing was was a trap in and of itself, which I kind of dig, like – I guess it play, I guess it makes the note better in retrospect, which I yeah. know I said I didn't like before, but I guess it does make it a little bit more of a fun trap for Walter. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. maybe it does actually work for me a little bit. I, but I, I like that idea of Nort being tied into it and yeah. an unwitting pawn. And and who knows if like Nort wasn't just like flying around with glowing eyes and spitting laser beams out of his mouth, you know, revealing the secret of death to all after after she said it, right? says something here right yeah like that like we, we don't know what what exactly happened to him that made that that made that the case it also shows that like what what the stakes are in this like the man of black sees this almost like a game this is a this is a joke that he's playing yeah and yeah. at the end of it uh what is it 39 men 14 women and five children are dead yes did anybody else try to add all that up and try to get a multiple of 19? Because that's the first thing I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you beat me to it. <laughs> Let's see here. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yep, yeah, there we so, go. Yep. Yep. Mm. yep. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this entire town is dead. Uh, what was once a small bastion of, you know, just life clinging to uh life clinging to life in the desert is now just gone and is going to be reclaimed by the sands as we as we see happens later on in different chapters here um as roland raids the bar and takes all the food and water grabs his mule and then moves on much like the world did he takes a nap i mean he goes to sleep (laughs) with all of the dead people in the town and it specifically says he he goes to sleep and has no dreams yes which shows you how like a, a cold calculated motherfucker this guy is like <laughs> this is this is just another day for Absolutely. him um well, and I, I like the imagery that afterwards uh when he, he he's leaving town and it's just like all the bodies just rolled south like tumbleweeds yep like n- no need to clean it up like the oh. wind will take care of it oh gosh skeleton tumbleweeds oh jesus <laughs> yep i'm uh, down yeah all right yeah Yep. But yeah, no, like like the nothing yeah, like the fact that 
This town's not going to be here long. And that's no. that's pretty much the end of the chapter. Like there's there's some wrap up after the flashback with Brown, but we're we're, we're kind of getting back to the present. Roland thanks Brown for his hospitality, you know, and, and, and again, we get that absolution, right? Where, you know, Roland says like, yeah, you know, just don't you think I'm a monster? And Brown says, well, no, I mean, you feel bad. You're not a demon. Kind of, kind of sounds like you did what you had to do. And so Roland, yeah, it goes, go, goes on into the desert. Right. And, you know, he's kind of got his old friends on his mind as he, uh, as he has wanted to do, as we're going to see throughout the rest of this book and throughout the rest of the series, um, including his, uh, his, his old trainer court who we're going to get to know really well, um, next time. So I want to get some, you know, your, your guys's final thoughts on the chapter here before we wrap up. Um, does anybody have anything that kind of sticks out in like a, like, like a, like a final summary here? I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but this this entire book and, and the first chapter especially, it, it's it's kind of a, a, a mini masterclass on world building. Mm-hmm. It's just everything is so just well conveyed. Yep. <laughs> and it, it paints this picture, this really evocative picture, and it's it's the the writing is very visual. Um but at the same time, there are a lot of details that are left to the imagination. Yeah. Or, or, or will be for several thousand pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 so, and so that throws back to it. Like J- Jeremy, I'm really happy that we have your perspective, you know, coming to this from the original version though, you know, that was, that was pre, you know, pre revision. Like a lot of the stuff that really tickles me about this is, uh, it is kind of the, like the, the, the proper nouns, right? The stuff that the, you know, the, the Al Golciento and the, and the Tahin and stuff like that, that I, I child. Yeah. In the, in the, in the back of, in the back of my mind. And I know, it's going to get there and like i don't remember that stuff being there i'm curious to go back and see if that sense of world building is still is still there without those proper nouns kind of littered throughout or if it kind of defaults back to like atmosphere and suspense it, it's difficult um the last time i read this was several years ago and because me and my wife both did a total reread and rereading the first book, and this was like the original paperback that I had that I can't find anymore for some reason. But um, it it was just as good as it was when I was a kid. Like to me, it's it's better because it leaves so much stuff off the table and that when it, that stuff eventually co- happens, it's kind of after the fact. And this stands on its own. It's kind of like if you had, like uh, if it's I, I don't remember who said it. I think it was Evan said like this. It's a first album, yeah. And then of a band you really like, and it, they they. They continually get better, but there's something about that first album that's just good and great that they never quite get to again. Like, that's mm-hmm. how I feel about this book and, the, and about the revisions later. Like, I, I'm not, I'm going to come up with a terrible example, but like, if Radiohead did a Kid A cover album and like <laughs> went, and went back and you'd be like, well, this is okay. And it's obviously technically maybe more mature, but like, it's not Kid A. Like, it's not the Kid A that I smoked pot to when I was in college. So right. I, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I don't want to be that guy, but I'm yeah. I'm kind of curious as we go f- forward from here. Like, did he go back and revise the drawing of the three or the wastelands after when he was di- finishing this out? Are all those the same? Like, I'm very little, if anything. I remember reading the drawing of the three the first time and he says like yeah i intended to go back and rewrite the first the first four books to make it square up and by the time he got to the drawing of the three he said like yeah i really didn't need it yeah and i, and I can i can definitely see that and those books yeah, are so much larger me. than these than this book that 
those details could are a lot easily or a lot more easily lost. Right. There's there's so much that's not there in this book that every added thing that I saw when I read it today, I was like, yep, that's new. That's new. That's new. That's new. <laughs> it sticks out I, like a sore thumb. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Evan, how about you? How long has it been since you've read this, read, read this book? Um, at this point, probably eight or nine years. Okay. So there's a, a lot of the revisions, like, like, like the first two times I read through it, it was, it was with the, my, my dad's old paperback. And so this is my first time reading it with the revisions, but it's been so long for me mm-hmm. that, you know, there's just some stuff where it's like, Oh, I don't remember. Like I, I didn't remember the note or the thing about 19 or any of that, but I just kind of chalked it up to, Oh, it's been almost a decade since I read it. I've, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it has been literally an entire college education and then some ago. Yeah. <clears throat> huh. Yeah, so 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 yeah, definitely like this is going to be interesting going back through it because I I really remember the broad strokes of the story and like I'm finding a lot of delight in the details, specifically the visual stuff. Um and uh, and the way that the and the the action is described and you know like what that shows about the characters, but like I don't remember any of that <laughs> from from when I went aside from like key phrases. So this this rereading project is going to be very interesting, I think. So before we wrap up, Murph, I know you had an idea about a about a, sec- a segment that we could do because you are coming to this fresh. Right. Uh, and I think since I haven't read this, I should just wildly prognosticate, uh, make some stuff up and tell you what's going to happen in the next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, this is because I am I I can write just as well as Stephen King. Right. <laughs> so the, the next chapter is the way station. And uh, clearly the man in black is going to come across a station. It's going to first seem (laughs) empty at first, but then he's going to meet, we'll say, another woman because, I don't know, it seems right. (laughs) And then there's some kind of existential threat uh, that they have to go out of the way station to kill, but then they don't get all of it, and then it comes back at night. That's my exact. That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> okay, well we'll find oh, out if you're don't, right. Don't Go. tell me if I'm wrong. We're not we're, clearly not. We need to. Uh, we need to make like a little scorecard out of all of all those right. elements, and then give him a rating at the end of each week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> tell him how right he is. And just and just see because some of that is actually very eerie. Uh, <laughs> all right, nice. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I told you I'm better at writing than Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bold claim. <laughs> Cool. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about where people can find us as we draw to a close here. Uh, Murph, how about you go, uh, go, give us a start? So I've got a billion things, but I have consolidated them all at to dinosaursarecool.com. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah. Uh, just I, I make video games. I make podcasts. I make tabletop. Um, all of it's there. All of it's free. Uh, check, check it out. Nice. Where, and where I'll, can people I'll, find you on Twitter? Uh, at Dork Knight Show, which is my primary other podcast. Nice. Um, Jeremy, how about you? Um, you could find my normal gaming podcast at darkinside.net. And then uh, you can find me on Twitter at JG Greer, where I pretty much do nothing but talk about Dark Souls and Demon yeah, Souls nice. and Bloodborne. <laughs> so if you don't like those things, it's probably not a good follow. Oh, I, I, 
I saw a gift today and I'm, I want to talk about it so bad, but I'm being respectful. You, you, you know that you shouldn't. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know that you shouldn't. I am, I am so salty about this Dark Souls 3 marketing, y'all. So salty. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the wings? We're, we're really dating ourselves here because I don't know if this is going to come out before that. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm yeah, sorry. but no, don't don't, don't worry. But uh, if, if you want uh, if you want some of the old uh, some some of the old Dark Souls stuff, definitely follow Jeremy. He knows what he's talking about. And, and uh, Evan, how about you? Uh, I am currently putting together EvanJonesThorn dot com, but uh, I don't know if that'll be anything special by the time this episode airs. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at uh, Mister Underscore Harder, and I run another Twitter ca- uh, called Sad Paul Stanley, which is really <laughs> dumb. <laughs> love that <laughs> and uh and you can find me at cole ross uh that's k-o-l-e-r-o-s-s on twitter and uh on a bunch of other shows at uh, duckfeed.tv uh, i'm not sure what kind of admin to do for this because i don't know where it's living um at the moment uh but uh when uh when when you find out where this is at i will put some calls to action on there uh to uh, tell you how you can help the show out uh, so uh, I would like to thank the assembled panel here. Thank you. Uh, uh, th- thank you, Murph. Thank you, Jeremy. And thank you, Evan. Um, and until next time, what should they remember to do? Uh, pee on the corn? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, did you have to call before or did I did I answer on the first try? You, you answered on the first try. Yes, just <laughs> got done brushing a one year old's teeth. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, I, I had no well, idea if I was going to make it. Yeah, I, you're I, really I, making me look bad. I was just I was just playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> it was it wasn't even his one year old. <laughs> he's, he's he's the tooth hygiene vigilante. No, te- it's th- this was I, I technically own this one. You don't have any payments left. <laughs> Ha <laughs>